Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process, do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. This episode, I am excited to have these two Gen Xers share their memories of our generation. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Saturday Night Live, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Groundhog Day, and Back to the Future, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save Gen X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two good friends of over 30 years. Please welcome to the show, longtime listener and first time guest, Keith. Hi, Zabe. Uh, first of all, don't make people do the math. I'm excited to be here on the show. I know I'm supposed to talk smack about my opponent, but I can't say anything bad about Sam. Um, however, seeing as I am my own worst enemy, I have an equal shot of crushing this or snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. So I guess I just smack talk myself. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to have you on, Keith. It's going to be a good time. And please also welcome a returning guest to the show, a person you might recognize from such shows as Dynasty, Hill Street Blues, Designing Women, and the feature film Annie, uh, that is, if you're looking really close in the background, please welcome back to the show, Samantha Shagolin. Oh, thank you, Zave. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be back. I definitely got the floor wiped with me last time. So <laughs> let's see how I can do against Keith. I don't know. Since he already smack talked himself, I'm just going to let that lie. I'm excited. Well, welcome back, Sam. But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. I mean, fabulous is personally subjective, right? Like Sloth from the Goonies thought a Baby Ruth candy bar was fabulous. So, you know, your mileage may vary in this one. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. You know, guys, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded The Power. The Power. Which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. From New York, it's Saturday Night! Saturday Night Live in the 80s took a huge turn from its roots in the 70s. Lauren Michaels left the show in 1980 and took a chunk of the cast and writers with him. Suffice it to say, the things got weird. The show had skyrocketed in the ratings and the cast were now big-time stars. However, Michaels needed a break and the network didn't like some of his replacements, so they decided to meddle. Despite all the drama, there was truly some great SNL cast members in the 1980s but which memorable members of the 1980s Saturday Night Live cast were the best? This episode's Facts of Life list asks you to name the greatest Saturday Night Live cast members of the 1980s. The list rules are that these are all cast members that got their start on the show in the 1980s. So the original Not Ready for Time Prime players will not be on the list 
And names like Bill Murray, who was on the show in the late 70s and early 80s, won't be on the list because they did not get their start until after the decade began. Got it? We flip the coin backstage, see who goes first. And Sam, you won the coin toss. Sam, get us started. Ooh, okay. My mind is slowly ticking back through time to the 1980s and Saturday Night Live. And the first name that came to mind for me was Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Well, isn't that special? Number four on the list. Well done. Keith, what do you got? Survey data, right? Gotta go with Eddie Murphy. That's good a one. good one to go with because Eddie Murphy is number one on the list. Right. Sam, the top one is off the list, but you can still pull this out. What do you got for your okay. second guess? Oof. This might be on the edge. I'm not sure if he was on in the 80s or not, but I think so. I'm going to say um, Steve Martin. Steve Martin was actually never a cast member on Saturday Night Live. What? Never. He was on the show like a dozen or so times or featured 20 or sometimes, but he was never an actual cast member. All right. Well, that's strike one for you, Sam. Okay, Keith, back to you, buddy. Oh, man, it's another risky kind of bordering uh, decades here, but I'm going to try Mike Myers. It is a great story, by the way. You just, just sell Scottish things here? That's right. All things Scottish. Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap. Mike Myers, number three on the list. He was on the show from 1989 to 95. So you're right. He was right on the cusp. Gutsy play, Keith, but it paid off for you. Sam, only one strike. You're still in this. No problem. All right. This one might be uh, going back even further, but it's just where my brain landed. And that's John Belushi. John Belushi is incorrect. He was no longer a cast member in the 80s. All right. So that is two strikes. So it's his fault, not Sam's. Yes. All right, Keith, you're in command of this game. Take a swing. Go for the fences here. Sam has two strikes. And remember, well, we don't want a quick podcast episode. So get one wrong here. Go. How about Victoria Jackson? Victoria That's Jackson. That is a great swing at the fences, but she's number 14 on the list. Sorry. <clears throat> That's one strike for you. Sam. Okay. To stay alive. There are seven other answers on here. Very famous okay. names that you know. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Nealon. I'm Hans. I'm Dime France. And we want to pump you up. Kevin Nealon is number eight on the list. Well done. He was on the show from 1986 to 1995. He had a long run. Okay, Keith, one strike. Six answers left. What do you got? Uh, the one I was thinking of, I can't. I got that uh, CRS disease. So I'm going to have to go with Ann Hooks. Judges? Or, Jan, or Jan. It's Jan. Jan Hook. Jan Hooks is correct. Number 10 on the list. You pulled that Just out. Just made it. Like everything in my life. <laughs> on the line. Your Honor, I'd like to say something if I could, please. Excuse me. Are you a relative of the plaintiff? I am her mother. And what is your occupation? I am a bar fly. <laughs> She's there from 86 to 91. There's no way I would have gotten Jan Hooks on this list. That was the surprise one. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Well, the good news is, Sam, the hard ones got taken off the list. So now just a bunch of easy ones. Oh, See, there's five left. Brain is, my brain is stalling right now. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite skits. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he might actually be on the other side of the cusp, but I'm going to say Chris Farley. I'm sorry, Sam. Chris Farley mm. was not on the show during the 80s. For sure a favorite cast member, though. But Love Sam, him. that means that's your third strike. That means 
Keith, you have won round one, and that means you have the power. The power is yours. Let's go down the list and see the ones you missed. Number nine on the list was Dennis Miller on the show from 85 to 91. Of course. Pittsburgher. And uh, number one on the list was uh, John Lovitz. Yeah, he was number one on the list. Oh, I can't believe they forgot about me. (laughs) (laughs) He was on the show from 85 to 90. He was number seven. Number six, an oftentimes forgotten cast member because he's done so much so many other great works. And that is Billy Crystal. He was on the show from 84 to 85. Of course. Yeah, he had a short run, but he looked marvelous on that show. Number five was only on the show for one season as well. That was Martin Short, 84 to 85. He made a big contribution in a short amount of time. If you think about it. Number four you got was Dana Carvey, three Mike Myers. Number two was would be my number one. He's my all-time favorite cast member. I'm, I'm sad you guys missed out on him. Mr. Phil Hartman. From- oh, he was on the show from 86 to 94. Can't How did we miss it. that, Keith? I don't know. It's a lot I'm of pain dumb. when it comes to Mr. Hartman. His tragic death still looms, you know? To think of the great works that he had ahead of him had his life not been cut short. You can say that for several of these cast members, yes. really. Um, yes. But but Phil had a lot to offer the world. Still. Think of how many more monorails he could have sold. <laughs> was he also caveman lawyer, I feel like? Yes. I believe he was. I think he was Caveman Lawyer. Mm-hmm. And now, tonight's episode of Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. Your world frightens and confuses me. Sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. My primitive mind can't grasp these concepts. But there is one thing I do know. When a man, like my client, slips and falls on a sidewalk in front of a public library, then he is entitled to no less than $2 million in compensatory damages. Thank you. Well, that's round one. Congratulations, Keith. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show, and to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. Let me see your identification. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself truly as part of Generation X, and what might potentially disqualify you from being called Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Keith. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. And please tell us your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Hi, my name is Keith. I'm a product manager at a search company, and I live in Laguna Hills. My Gen X credentials are that I was one of the fortunate kids who grew up with cable, and I watched it a lot. I learned a lot of things from cable, like how in high school you should look like you're in your late 20s, or dance like Simon Le Bon, or how bullies are easily identified by their white blazers and blow-dry hair. (laughs) My disqualifier is my social life. Because my parents strictly limited my time out of the house, I didn't get to go out at night, hang at the mall, or go see movies with my friends. And that resulted in a nerdy kind of very 80s outcome. I exploited the loophole and connected with strangers via dial-up BBS, which sounds totally safe and not at all concerning, but but it worked out. Uh, So to sum up, my brain is full of movie quotes. If you throw me a line from a movie I've seen, I can usually reply with the very next one. And my social media experience dates back to the 1980s using equipment that looked like it would have belonged in Matthew Broderick's bedroom in war games. 
Sam, you are in trouble. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Keith. Let's also welcome back to the show, Samantha Shigolin. Sam, please give us your Gen X credentials as well as your potential disqualifier. Well, I feel like since, you know, you brought this up at the beginning, Zabe, that now I have to just lean into my qualifiers as being uh, a background actor in the um, 80s, 70s and 80s, actually. And, you know, sometimes I like to bring artifacts with me. So I did bring some physical proof of my Gen X qualifications, which is the autograph book that I used to take with me to all of my jobs. And in addition to some of the stuff that Zabe mentioned, I was also on Charles in Charge and Who's the Boss and Hill Street Blues and Crazy Like a Fox and and Zabe's favorite show, TJ Hooker. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I I do have autographs from William Shatner and Delta Burke and Judith Light and all kinds of stars from the 80s that, you know, I carry around with me just in case I need to show my Gen X credentials to anybody. (laughs) And I guess my disqualifier would be that um, my parents, especially my mom, was really uh, restrictive in what I was allowed to eat. So I didn't have candy or soda growing up and I didn't get to eat a lot of the foods that uh, my friends enjoyed, like, you know, Fruit Loops, Wonder Bread, Dr. Pepper, <laughs> never had any of that stuff. Although what I have tried Halloween though. You, you, you had a- I did not. I was uh, required to give my Halloween candy away. What? So <laughs> I would trick or treat, but then my mom would give it away. Child abuse. <laughs> So Bubblicious, I, I did I did sneak some Bubblicious and I did sneak some Pop Rocks, but of course, <laughs> never had it with Pepsi. So my brain is still intact. I didn't explode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to Mikey it from Life Cereal, right? Yeah. No. What I love about having Sam on the show is she always brings all these visual aids to the audio format of a podcast, which <laughs> really adds value to the show. Thank you, Sam. I like the listeners to be able to visualize, you know, <laughs> picture uh, a very worn book full of your favorite celebrities' names scrawled in it. And that's yep. what she was holding up. Well, thanks for sure. being here, Sam. I love that you came back. Thank you so much. Judges, can we allow these two to do their credentials hold up? Most impressive. Congratulations, guys. You can stay on the show. Let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two today is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, we ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for those partial correct answers, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, that's you, Keith, gets to choose between the two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. The steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect they may be. So if you don't know, just make something up and make it either entertaining or just say the word Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. That seems to be a, a thing on the show. Either works. If you say, I don't know, just like in, you can't do that on television, you're going to get slimed. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that both of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. Let's get right to it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. So Keith, you have the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be the unhappy meal, which is a toys question, or will it be Marty had, quote, all the time in the world? 
which is a movie question. I'm going to go with Marty had all the time in the world. Back to the Future is a movie that has made audiences question the time travel paradox for decades now. We have all wondered what we would have done given the chance to operate a time machine. Here's one of Marty's choices. As he was getting ready to go back to 1985 and try and save Doc Brown from being murdered by the Libyan terrorists, how many minutes did Marty think was enough time to warn Doc and prevent his death and safely escape with the time machine, a bunch of plutonium, as well as the rest of Doc Brown's equipment and a dog? This is a multiple choice question. Is it A, 10 minutes, B, 15, C, 30, or D, 69? 69, dudes! Excellent. Wow. Um, is this during the bit of the movie where they're planning, uh, you know, the, uh, the fateful night when the lightning st struck the clock tower? Yes. Runs down the street. He gets in and he's worried. Doc just tore up the note that he gave him and he says, oh, if I only had more time. He says, wait, I got a time machine. I got all the time in the world. I'll just set the time machine for a blank. And what were the choices again? It was 10 minutes, 15, 30 or 69. 69. So tempting. Um, first of all, I don't know, you know, that would be pretty difficult to enter into the keypad. So I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to say 10 minutes, Abe. 10 minutes is correct. Well done. That's two points. Oof. This one never made sense to me. Of all the weirdness of time travel, this decision made the least amount of sense. Once he's in the DeLorean in the final scene of the original, Marty decides he needs more time to go back to 1985 and warn Doc about the Libyans. And he says out loud to himself, 10 minutes ought to do. <laughs> That's the part that didn't make sense to you? No. Not the part, not the part where like a, a stainless steel automobile that weighed like 4,500 pounds and had a terrible and motor, you know, was expected to go 88 miles an hour. Maybe yeah, off a cliff. yeah, I get all that. That's all plausible. <laughs> when you say I had 10 minutes to warn my mentor and save his life, I mean, you know, he changes the time circus from 1.35 a.m. to 1.24 a.m., which, if you're a math whiz like me, is really 11 minutes. These go to 11. But even if the car had been working and Marty didn't have to sprint to the mall, the Libyans still passed him in the van immediately and after he tried to start the DeLorean. 10 minutes clearly wouldn't have been enough time. And Marty had, quote, all the time in the world, as he said. Bro, just go back 45 minutes or an hour, two hours, whatever. You go back to 1985 with just enough time to see Doc get shot. I agree with Zabe. Robert Zemeckis has made a terrible error. He's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> He's a butthead just like his old man was. Sam, this question's for you. It's called The Unhappy Meal. This is a toys question. There was a special joy when we were younger. Every time we were able to get McDonald's Happy Meal. Although we found out in your disqualifiers that you didn't get McDonald's a whole lot. So this is a perfect question for you. Love the food or hate it. The draw for most kids was the anticipation of getting our hands on that toy and wondering exactly what we were going to get. McDonald's had different toys offered at different parts of the world, depending on who they thought their customers were and what the people in that part of the world might enjoy. Some of the toys were great and some were just super weird. Which of the following crappy toys was an actual toy offered in a McDonald's Happy Meal during Gen X somewhere in the world? This is a multiple choice. So you're picking the one that was an actual toy. Okay. Was it A, an Ursula sex blow-up doll in Amsterdam of the Netherlands? <laughs> B, wow. an M80 style firework in Istanbul, Turkey as an advertising for a knockoff brand of G.I. Joe toys? Was it C, a wine opener featuring the face of Jerry Lewis on it in Paris, France? And finally, was it D, a McDonald's self-branded item sometimes known as the McTickler Me Feather Sponge in New York, USA? 
Wow. Well, let me first go back and say that I actually did eat quite a lot of McDonald's Happy Meals. Apparently that fit my mother's uh, nutritional guidelines in some way. So I did have, yeah, I did have quite a few Happy Meals. I don't remember, you know, of course I didn't live in those other locations, but I don't remember an Ursula sex doll um, being a thing or um, an M80 in Turkey sounds pretty rough. I think I'm going to go with the uh, feather tickle me uh, situation from New York. The feather tickle me situation. Sounds like a really weird movie is correct. (laughs) I want to apologize to your mom for the child abuse comment I made earlier. She let you at least have McDonald's then then that's okay. She did. Yes. The McTickle feather sponge was an actual thing in 1982. There was a marketing genius out there who thought this gym up. It was like a feather, only it was a sponge. That way it can be used to soak up the tears of disappointment that children got when they opened this up in their happy meal. You could have had a loud argument to make for option A. There was an Ursula blow-up doll offered in Amsterdam at one time, but the sex part was completely optional. Dad, a happy meal. Nobody can do it like McDonald's can. <laughs> so the score is two to two. Sam, well done. Keith, you still have the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be? Speaking of Groundhog Day, which is a movie question, or will it be a nice surprise in your chips, which is a television question? Well, I feel like I could just do this over and over and over again. So let's go with Groundhog Day. Well done. Speaking of Groundhog Day, Bill Murray is one of the most loved comedians of the Gen X timeline. In his classic film Groundhog Day, his character Phil Connors is is reunited with the very annoying Ned. In their conversations, Ned tells Phil about his three nicknames, and he tries to sell him life insurance. Name any two of the three nicknames Ned Ryerson has in the film Groundhog Day. Well, Bing. First of all, this is my this is my wife's favorite movie in the whole world. Um, this is something that we've watched over and over again together, and I think she'd be really mad at me if I got this one wrong. So, uh, Bing. He's also known as Needle Nose Ned. And Bing also Ned the head. Bing. Okay, you want to rub it in and get the last one? Oh no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay, that is correct. Watch out for that. Watch out for that first step. It's a Lulu. <laughs> if you said listeners, if you said Ned the head, needle nose Ned, or Ned the bull, then Bing, you got it right. Wow. Well done, Keith. That's too much. That's impressive, Keith. Most impressive. I love that movie too. Kudos to your wife. Yeah, National Treasure. Too. Yeah, we watch it every uh, February 2nd. So it's, good. Don't, yeah, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie gives no explanation of why Phil lives the same day over and over again. But in doing some research for this question, the judges stumbled across a Reddit thread that has an interesting theory. Reddit user Superconductive Rabbi suggests that Ned the Head is actually the devil And he's holding Phil in a time loop until he sells him his soul. There's some logic to this theory as Ned torments Phil throughout the show, which could be centuries, right? Asking him to sign a contract. Furthermore, there's not until Phil does sign a contract with Ned that Phil gets everything he wants. He gets his freedom. He gets the girl he loves. He's the most popular man in Paxitani, PA. The theory is interesting, but it puts a whole new spin on watching the movie. Nice work, superconductive rabbi. So the score is now four points to two. Sam, here's your question. Okay. Speaking of Groundhog's Day, this is a movie question. Bill Murray is one of the most loved comedians. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the courtesy laugh. 
This question's called A Nice Surprise in Your Chips, which is a TV question. Chips was an American crime drama television series that originally aired in NBC in the late 70s and early 80s. Like many of the shows of the day, it relied on special guest stars to show up each and every episode and give the show a, a breath of fresh air. Which of the following famous actors did not make a guest appearance on the show? Was it A, Michelle Pfeiffer, B, Florence Henderson, C, Robert England, D, Edwards James Olmos, or E, Samantha Chagolin? Wow. Hmm. I'm going to have to go uh, through a process of elimination, I think. Um, Who do you so remember because- not seeing on the set? um hmm well they may you know they may not have all been there on the same day so uh tell me again the i remember florence henderson who else michelle Uh, Michelle pfeiffer Pfeiffer. florence henderson freddy krueger in robert england or james edwards almost or you who was not on the show who was not on the show you know i didn't see Michelle Pfeiffer went to, you know, our rival high school right yes. down the street. Yes. So I would have recognized her if I saw her on set and I don't remember seeing her there. So I'm going to say Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer is sadly incorrect. I'm sorry, Sam. Oh, that means Keith, you get a chance to steal and run up the score. What do you got? First of all, I've never been more stressed with a question when like the contestant is one of the... <laughs> <laughs> so, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to go with the man of my dreams, Robert England. Robert England is incorrect. Mm. You threw me for a second. Man of your dreams. I'm like, oh, Freddy Krueger, duh. <laughs> man of your <laughs> I dreams. That. I didn't get that first. Well done. <laughs> no, the correct answer is Florence Henderson. Oh, I almost said that. Yeah. I Check know. your book. <laughs> yeah. She's not in there. That's because she wasn't on the show. She wasn't on the show. Mrs. Brady never appeared in Chips, but all these other legendary actors all appeared in at least one episode. The show followed the lives of two motorcycle officers for the California Highway Patrol, Chips, that's where you get its name from, played by Larry Wilcox and Eric Estrada. Although these two characters are great friends on the show, Wilcox and Estrada were not in real life. Reportedly, Wilcox felt Eric Estrada was too difficult to work with, and perhaps he felt it was better to just leave the show than to punch him in the face. <laughs> Can I share a story with you about Please that, do. actually? So I think I was probably eight years old when I was on Chips. And um, the day that I filmed that, we were in a, it was a park scene. They were supposed to, John was supposed to already be in the park with a bunch of us kids and Ponch was supposed to come zooming around the corner in his motorcycle and park and get out. They had some dialogue. Eric Estrada was like 90 minutes late to set. We were just all standing out there forever waiting for him. And the actor who played Baker was visibly annoyed. He finally showed up, you know, took his time going through wardrobe, all of that stuff and did the scene. There was tension between them. It didn't, it, you know, even as a kid, I could tell like that didn't go great. Um, so I had my trusty autograph book with me because I brought it to every job. And my mom had always trained me to be a really polite, you know, kid. I wasn't allowed to just go up and start talking to, to the actors, especially. So my mom and I were, were walking out, getting ready to leave, and Eric Estrada was standing out by the side of his trailer, having a cigarette, had a cup of coffee, just hanging out. And so I asked my mom, do you think this is a good time? 
And she's like, yeah, yeah, it should be fine. No one else around. He's not talking to anybody. So I go up to him and I say, excuse me, Mr. Estrada, would I be able to get your autograph? And he looks at me and says, I'm kind of busy right now and looks away. So I was like, oh, okay. Walked away. Very sad. Back to my mom. And my mom was like, wow, okay. He was one of my, you know, heroes. I really looked up to him. I thought he was um, so cool. Officer Ponch. Um, Never felt the same way about him after that. (laughs) Neither do I. Well, you know, now he's like pushing timeshares in Arkansas or something. So <laughs> karma, yeah. it all works out. You got out. the last laugh, Sam. <laughs> Surely. You know, you didn't get a, you did not get a autograph signed, but that was only a small portion of your life. He has to be Eric Estrada his entire life. True. Yes. You got something? Keith? Hey, Zave, you can, you can cut this if you need for time, but I also have a chip story. Oh, uh, I so, will be dead uh, and buried before I cut a chip story <laughs> on this podcast. So... So uh, as a kid, uh, my mom's from Italy. And I mean, like Italy, not like New Jersey. And so as a kid, I was really lucky. And I got to go to Italy all the time and, and hang out with my cousins. And in Italy, we had like three television stations. And like one was like news all the time. The other was like shampoo commercials with people that were topless. But the third one was always showing chips for whatever reason. And it was dubbed. And they dubbed the voices like with the absolute, come on, you, you know their voices. And they dubbed them with like, you know, high nasally voices or something like that. And um, the weird thing about chips just being in syndication in Italy for what felt like 20 years is that my cousins used that show as their entire frame of reference for where I came from. So they all thought we drove around like Chevy Novas and, you know, like everything, you know, like around like the San Fernando Valley and like they're all just all kinds of gotten to all kinds of adventures. So anyway, I'm really happy that we got together here to talk about the, the chips expanded universe. So they thought ah. if you parked your car incorrectly, it would explode, right? Because yes, like <laughs> immediately on that show exploded. Yes, it would immediately. It would crash immediately off a cliff um, after being on a, a straight freeway for for twenty miles. That's well, great. I mean, if we're all sharing chip stories, uh, <laughs> do tell the interesting. I just yeah, I just connected a dot. You said he was on syndication all the time in Italy. Well, Ponch, his his character was supposed to be an Italian dude. When it was originally written, it was Poncharelli was the name, but then they discovered the jewel that is Eric Estrada and made him Poncharello instead. So I wonder what there's some weird tie between Italy and that character. And I'm just a little bit, uh, it's, I find it interesting that it was so big in Italy, despite not having an Italian on it, unless they dubbed it and said he was Italian and changed it to Poncharelli, (laughs) you know, like who knows? I, I am telling you right now, if it were an Italian actor. Sam would have had a very different story. I'm sure I would have. <laughs> I mean, also teaching it to Poncharello as, you know, oh, yes, the, you know, ever popular Latino surname, Poncharello. <laughs> Interesting. Nice, nice cover, guys. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Yeah, you're right, Keith. That's all going to be edited out. Right <laughs> Here's the next question. Keith, the score is four to two. Keith, you are in the lead. You have the power. Sam, you're only two points back. Anything can happen. I'm saving that line. (laughs) Keith, you can pick between these two questions. Will it be, we're going to turn it on. We're going to bring you the power, which is a television question. Or will it be cinema soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? Let's go with cinema soundcheck. 
for this question, I will give you the title tracks of a musical score for a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores usually have instrumentals with obscure titles, but that should give you some hints you'll need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player, given a new title with each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. So here's another little side note. <clears throat> Once again, I feel the need to say that the judges are still really grumpy that our contestants have been able to figure out the movie within the first two clues ever since we started playing this game. They are once again requesting that our guests at least make it seem difficult to the listeners, or we'll be forced to have this difficulty level cranked up a little. So these vague titles now are 69% more vague than previous episodes in an effort to get at least to the fourth clue before you figure it out. So you've been warned. Here we go. Keith, you go first. Here's your clue. IMDb calls this an action-adventure sci-fi. It was rated PG, and it was released in 1978. The first song title is called Leaving Home. Let's see you get it on that obscure title. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What? That's, no, I'm just kidding. That's not it. That's not it. So wrong here. That is incorrect. <laughs> Sam, song two is called The Trip to Earth. So you got The Trip to Earth and Leaving Home. The right stuff. The right stuff is also incorrect. Mm. Let's go to song three. Back to you, Keith. The song is called Growing Up. So we have Growing Up, The Trip to Earth, and Leaving Home. Say, I'm going to have to steal myself so I don't mess this up. Steal? Wait a minute. For the steal, Man of Steel, Superman? Full title? What's the full title of this movie? Oh, my goodness. Wow, you're really going to do that. Uh, no, that's close enough. Superman the movie is the name of the movie. And that is correct. Wow. Well done. But once again, the judges are off to a stage left here, fuming that we didn't at least get to song four, which was called March of the Villains. Song five was Chasing Rockets. Number six was Can You Read My Mind? Song seven was Turning Back the World. And finally, if you didn't get it by then, song eight was the love theme from Superman. Oh, well done, though, Keith. Man. You made me so nervous just then. I was about to say, are you Margot Kidder me? <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember going to see that movie in a huge movie screen. With uh, I remember my dad taking me to see it. I think it was in Orange somewhere. The but Cynodome. It's one of the, yeah. That's where you saw it at. Yep, it I saw the there, Cynodome. too. Yeah, I, I could have been the in the first... same theater with you, Sam. We probably were just down the down the aisle. That's where I saw it. That's as one well. of the first movies I remember seeing in the movie theater was Superman the movie, and just loved it so much. Saw it so many times. Oh yeah, it was it was a great one. The fun fact of this question is, as the great John Williams conducted the initial recording session for the film. The main theme of the movie made such an impact on director Richard Donner that he was unable to contain himself as he exclaimed, great, fantastic, genius, which promptly ruined the first take as he could be heard on the recording and they had to record the whole piece over again. Thanks, Dick Donner. Wow. So that's two more points for you, Keith. You are now six points to Sam's two. Sam, you can crawl within striking distance if you get this correct. I think you can. This question is called, we're going to turn it on. We're going to bring you the power. If you sing it, it might help you. It's a television question. Hey, you guys. 
If you heard those words, hey, you guys, what television program was about to begin? Mm, I'm reaching back deep into my memory. I'm going to go with um, Fat Albert. I'm sorry. Fat Albert is incorrect. Tangentially close, however. (laughs) Keith? You got this one? Pretty sure the audience will be screaming at me, but I'm going to have to take a wild guess and say, what's happening? What's happening is you got it incorrect. (laughs) Wow. I'm really surprised both of you missed on this one. The Electric Company, guys. You guys remember that show, The Electric Company? The Electric Company. We're going to turn it on. We're going to bring you the power. In the title. Mm -hmm. He's so good at that. And then right over my head. I'm so good at missing those things. So, you know, true to form. Thank you, Zabe. Morgan Freeman's greatest show. Could be. The Electric Company was a 1970s American educational children's television series produced by the Children's Television Workshop, the same people that brought us Sesame Street. In 1977, at the height of the show's popularity, it was thought that PBS could only afford to produce either The Electric Company or Sesame Street, and they went with the latter. Sesame Street had enough popular characters they could license and generate enough money to pay for the show itself. Apparently, they thought kids wanted to play with a Big Bird doll instead of a light bulb. Go figure. (laughs) Uh, I love that show. It's great. Have you guys seen the documentary that was just out about Sesame Street on HBO? It's really good, too. Just about the, you know, how it all started and, and the intention behind it and what it turned into. It's really good. Sweet. I should check that out. Do you remember the name of it? I do not. Okay. I'm sure I could look it up for you very quickly. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Here we go to the final question. The score is six points to two in Keith's favor. Keith, you you have retained the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Bible trivia with Ted Theodore Logan, which is a movie question, or will it be name that tune head to head challenge? Well, I don't know if I do very well with Bible trivia, but I heard Ted Theodore Logan, and I am a disciple, so let's go with that one. You got that clue. Here we go. (laughs) In the hilarious time travel movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the boys are quizzed by their world history teacher, Mr. Ryan, in front of the class, and it becomes clear that they have learned nothing the whole semester. According to Ted and his vast biblical knowledge, which historical figure in the movie was Noah's wife? Give me a second. <laughs> think I got stressed because I thought it was a biblical character because, I mean, I worship Jane Wheatland and she was Joan of Arc. So I think that's my answer. Joan of Arc is correct. Well done. Yeah, well done. You, you figured it out. Smart guy. Who was Joan of Arc? Noah's wife. <laughs> Apparently, Ted thought Noah's last name was Arc, and that's why... She, that's why she was called Joan of Arc. What an idiot. Everyone knows that Joan of Arc was simply her first name and that her last name was of the covenant. A lot of hyphens back then, I guess. Of course. Well, you know, the actor who played Ted's father in the movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, his name is Hal Landon Jr. And he is an actor from here in Orange County. He played Scrooge in the Christmas Carol at South Coast Repertory for many, many, many years, including the year that I was in the Christmas Carol. Nice. So, Hal Landon Jr. I think next time you're on the show, Sam, we got to have like actors' names because you come up with these things so fast. You're really good at <laughs> actors' names. Steel trap. Yeah. One of the only things. Okay, here's the last question, and it's for you, Sam. 
Here's the situation. Keith has eight points. You have two. For this question, the judges will perform parts of a popular Gen X song, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers and that they will also be using awful fake British accents to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. There it is. Go stealing my line, Sam. It's a good thing. When I play this game at home, when I'm listening on my own, I'm about 50-50. So we'll see. see. We will see. We will see. Okay. Here's song number one. Your clue is this song is from 1984. Give me the artist and title of this song. And now you're punching and you're kicking and you're shouting at me. I'm relying on your common decency. So far, it hasn't surfaced, but I'm sure it exists. It just takes a while to travel from your head to your fists. Okay, give me a moment here. I, I, I can hear it, and yet I cannot think of what comes next. If it helps you, Keith totally knows it. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, you're going to lose the game. So I don't know if that helps oh, you or not. Oh, my God. I don't know if that helps you. That could help you. That could push you, give you that push you need to get it right. You got I'm this, Sam. I'm the kind of person who works well under pressure. <laughs> You got this. And you know you're this. Kicking and you're shouting at me, and uh, I can hear it, but I. Um, One of your all-time favorite bands. Oh, <laughs> hold on. Okay, it's Depeche Mode. Oh, I can hear the synths. I just can't get the name of the song. People are people. People are people. Depeche Mode is correct. I'm dead. Stick a fork in Now only four points behind, Sam. You're doing your part. You're here. So long as Keith screws this one up and you get it right. (laughs) We're right there. Here we go. It can happen. Anything can still happen. I've never wished. I've never wished. This could definitely happen. (laughs) I've never wished for Keith to fail, but I will right now. Yeah. Okay, Keith. This song is also from 1984. Artisan title of this song. One man caught on a barbed wire fence. One man he resist. One man washed on an empty beach. One man betrayed with a kiss. This is you two. And this is in the name of love. Judges? I'm sorry, Keith. That is only a partial correct answer. Oh. This opens oh, the no. door for Sam. Yes, of course it was you two. But what's the correct title of that song? You have a lot of argument coming your way, Keith, if Sam can't get it. Oh, boy. Oh, my husband's going to kill me. Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. Matt, Matt is screaming at his audio player. It's okay. You know, he missed a U2 question on his episode, and I was screaming at him. So I specifically put this in there for that. Oh, you're, you just have a cruel, twisted sense of humor, <laughs> don't you? I'm looking out for Matt. You I know, feel. He gets chances. It's payback. <laughs> I got Matt's back, too. Oh, that's kind of you. He'll appreciate that. Um. I know this is the Martin Luther King song. It has a tricky title. That's yeah. Why, that's why Keith got it incorrect. Right. Because the chorus is in the name of love. Right. The song title has in parentheses in the name of love. Right. Mm-hmm. 
What do you got, Sam? All that comes to mind is the name of, of one of their albums, which is War. And I know that that's not it, but I'll go with War. Keith has remembered, I think. Mm. So we'll let him say it. Uh, war is incorrect, Sam. Keith, what is that one word that's missing? Oh, man. I need to restore my pride. There it is. In oh. Paren. So anyway, pedantic judges, pride, paren, in the name of love, close paren. All right. <laughs> one man on a barbed wire fence. One man he Yes, pride in the name of love. Yes, that was the nice work, Keith. Okay, Keith, that gives you now nine points to Sam's four. Sam, here is the last question. Math is not on your side, Sam. However, it's not. Let's play it out. Let's see what happens. We're playing for pride in this one. Song Uh number three is a song from 1987. Artisan title of this amazing song. You turn my head when you turn around. You turn the whole world upside down. I'm smitten. I'm bitten. I'm hooked. I'm cooked. I'm stuck like glue. You make me, make me, make me, make me hungry for you. I'm cooked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The brain, it just doesn't work like it used to. But I know that Keith knows this because I can tell he already does. In the song, it's tricky. This one's a little tricky. Those British voices. Zane's favorite band. It's Zane's favorite band. Oh, okay. So it's the cure. Um, uh huh. You make me, make me, make me, make me. What is that song? It's not hot, hot, hot. I can picture the album cover. Is it Why Can't I Be You? That is correct. Well done. Well done, Sam. You got that one correct. That brings you to a score of four points. Sorry, six points to Keith's nine. That's not enough to win round two. So that means, Keith, you have won round two. Congratulations. We are going to put your opponent in the waiting room while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where you're going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. After these messages, we'll be right back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know Keith's going to pick something really good. 
He has excellent taste. So Sam, we're going to put you in the waiting room. Round three. Sam, get ready for uh. your prize. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I doubt it. <laughs> round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, family feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power gets to answer first while player two is unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. It's kind of tough. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize that the winner of round two has selected in secret. Quick announcement before we start. It's been pointed out that more people would like to take part in the dysfunctional family feud surveys, but do not have access to add their voice to the answers. Well, here's your chance. Sign up for our newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Details on that are in the show notes. That's enough of that. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Sam, we're going to put you back into the waiting room. Sorry. Now it's just you and me, Keith. You know how to play, right? Yes. Love that sound. Yeah, it's great. It's classic. She's in the phantom zone. Yeah, it makes me happy every time I hear it. Should we call it the phantom zone instead of the waiting room? <laughs> That's just what I see. Like, you know, we're all like pressed up against the glass. Yeah, right, right. Uh, that might be more fun. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name the best TV theme song that is an instrumental only. Night Court. Name an advertising slogan used in a soft drink commercial. It's the real thing. I think of Ray Charles whenever I hear that. Name a child star in the 80s that is still a star today. Jason Bateman. Name a discontinued fast food menu item that you wish was still available today. I don't care what the survey says. Mexican pizza. I died that day. I was just giggling because poor Sam like, just gets a junk food question. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, name your favorite character from the TV show Cheers. Sam. Okay, let's bring Samantha back in. Sam, you should always be worried when you don't spend much time in the waiting room because Keith rattled those off really quickly. All right, Sam, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Keith. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this. That means try again. You give me a different answer and we'll continue. It's a little bit more difficult. So you get two passes. Pro tip, make sure you use your passes. Okay, your time will begin. After I finish reading the first question, name the best TV theme song that is an instrumental only. Charlie's Angels. Name an advertising slogan that is used in a soft drink commercial. Pass. Name a child star in the 80s that is still a star today. Alyssa Milano. Definitely not going to say Ricky Schroeder. Name a discontinued fast food menu item that you wish was still available today. Oh. I know. I'm thinking of something, but it's too um, regional. Pass. Name your favorite character from the TV show Cheers. Norm. Let's go back to the ones you passed on. Name an advertising slogan used in a soft drink commercial. The Pepsi Generation. Name a discontinued fast food menu item that you wish was still available today. Mexican pizza. Try again. Oh, Keith, the McRib. (gasps) 
you can't like no like they will bring the McRib back okay you can't talk like that you're gonna send the country into a tailspin <laughs> panic they can't okay it. October like when the price when the pork prices come down that's when it comes don't do that is that really pork though I don't really think it is I mean, presumably, but but just whatever they're buying allegedly. and squishing into the, you can't just come out and say on this highly trafficked podcast that they're canceling the McRib. <laughs> Chaos would ensue. Like, come on. I mean, you made me really I, worried. What I wanted to say was uh, what came to mind was all of the food on the Noggles menu. But I'm like, nobody knows. Nobody has Noggles. Like that was just us here in Southern California, right? You and really had me going with that regional thing. I thought you were like, you know, it's not really. You know, a chalupa, unless it comes oh, from the yeah. Southern California, unless it comes from the Southern California region of Taco Bell. <laughs> no, I was thinking about novels and then I, you yeah. know. Solid choices, Sam. Mm. I hope you like, I Thanks, hope you like Kate. your price. <laughs> oh, no. I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but I, I think I knew you were going to dominate, Keith. Let's go to the scores. I ask you, name the best TV theme song that is an instrumental. Keith, you gave us Night Court which did not make the survey. Not surprised. I, yeah, I love the show, but no Night court. Yeah. Here's your opportunity to get ahead in this game, Sam. You gave us Charlie's Angels, but unfortunately, that also did not make the survey. What? That great is theme. travesty. Yeah, I think uh, the group of Gen Xers I got the survey from a little bit younger, they whiffed on Charlie's Angels there. So no points. We were robbed, Keith. For the question we were one. Yeah. Next, I asked you, name an advertising slogan used in a soft drink commercial. Keith, you channeled your inner Ray Charles and gave us, it's the real thing. But that did not make the survey either. I'm I sorry. quit. <laughs> Sam, you gave us Pepsi Generation, which was the number five answer worth five points. Whoops. Worth five points. Wow. That was a judgment there. <laughs> sorry. Worth five points. There we go. Okay, that means, Sam, you have five. Keith, yet to get on the board, but things might change drastically here. As I asked you, name a child star in the 1980s that is still a star today. Sam, you gave us Alyssa Milano, which was the number five answer worth five points again. Dang it, I did it again. (laughs) You know, your judgment, Jason, is really harsh. (laughs) Sorry. Five points. Bring you 10 points. Keith, you gave us Jason Bateman. Which was number one answer worth 35 points. There we go. Well deserved. The score is 35 to 10. Next, I asked you, name a discontinued fast food menu item that you wish was still available today. You guys argued and fought over who gets the last piece of Mexican pizza. Keith, you went first, so you got it. And that was the number four answer worth 12 points. Bringing you to 47 points. They cut those into pieces. So Sam, I'd, I'd share that Mexican pizza. Oh, with thanks, you. Keith. I appreciate that. Sam, will you share your McRib with him? You know what? I will. <laughs> well, you don't have to because they still make McRibs and he can go get his own. That did not make the survey. <laughs> so the score going into the final question, Keith with 47 and Sam with 10. I asked you, name your favorite character from the TV show Cheers. Keith, you said Sam Malone? Mayday Malone surprisingly did not make the survey. I'm sorry. That was. Who did we survey like children? (laughs) So it comes down to this. So, Sam, you are 37 points behind. You gave us Norm. Norm was the number two answer, but was it worth enough? Survey said. I'm sorry. It's only worth 25 points. 
And that means you, Keith, you've won the game. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. To win against Sam, such a great game. Such great anecdotes. Uh, it's an honor to your, lose to you, Keith. Show us your autograph book one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull one out for you. How about Pamela Sue Martin from Nancy Drew? Bring it. So the final score was 47 for Keith and 35 for Sam. Norm was worth 25 points. I did not tell everyone what the number one answers are, but I will right now. The best TV theme song that was instrumental only, the number one answer was MASH. I also like to give honorable mentions to some of the answers. I get some kind of interesting ones. So honorable mention goes to The Simpsons, Alice, Growing Pains, and Cheers, all of which got votes and all of which also have lyrics. Oh. (laughs) Survey data. Yeah. I asked you, uh, name an advertising slogan with us about a soft drink commercial. The number one answer was, I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Of course. Yes, of course, Dr. Pepper. It's easy once you hear that, right? Honorable mention goes to something called Fago Remembers, which turns out to be a Michigan area soft drink. And the other honorable mention goes to, hey, (laughs) (laughs) Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. So the survey was popular in the... In the heartland of America. In the heartland, yeah. He definitely wouldn't have gotten my my noggles. <laughs> so the child Answers. star number one answer was Jason Bateman you got. But honorable mention needs to go to the votes for child stars in quotes. Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford also won vote for Candace Cameron, who was a child actor in Full House. And if you don't think she's still a star today, then obviously you don't watch the Hallmark Channel during the holidays. True. Name a discontinued fast food item that you wish was still available today. The number one answer was the old McDonald's apple pies. Remember when they used to fry those? Oh, yeah. Those, those yes. were, uh, you could hurt yourself with one of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I think they yeah. those were lava straight from the volcano yep. right mm-hmm. into the apple film. Right Definitely. into my belly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honorable mention to something called Captain D's Boil Shrimp Platter, which I don't know what that is. And also one vote for the McBLT. I'm guessing that's either a secret menu item or a typo. <laughs> and the last number one answer for name your favorite character from a TV show. Cheers. What number one answer was Woody. Woody. It's a solid, one. solid choice. Solid choice. For Woody. Sure. They're all pretty good though. You know, honorable mention goes to the fact that Christy Alley's character, Rebecca Howe did not receive even one vote. Well done, Gen X. <laughs> Didn't like her even back then. So, However, uh, she made an interesting Vulcan you know? So I'm, I don't know. I could go either way. Took the enterprise into the neutral zone though. How'd you think she was going to get out of that? Kirstie oh, Kirstie. It's not logical. For winning round three, I offer a chance at a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Keith until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Keith had to pick from. <laughs> I remember that. No reading ahead. As is show tradition, we offer both Garbage Pail Kids Snooty Sam, which is a picture of Uncle Sam picking his nose, and also Stuck in Keith, which displays a gross-looking green kid wedged in the teeth of a much larger one. Next, we have a vintage magazine clipping featuring Ponch himself, Eric Estrada, and the pictures of the star of Chips relaxing in a bathrobe, petting his dog, posing with an orangutan, amongst other various poses. Uh, Sam looks so concerned right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
want to note that nowhere in any of the pictures of these magazine clippings is he dissing a eight-year-old little girl as he smokes a cigarette and drinks coffee. No. Mm-mm. Next we have, here we have a vinyl record promo for the TV show, The Electric Company. If you ever wanted to hear what Morgan Freeman and Bill Cosby singing songs that teach kids to read sounds like, then this one's for you. It also comes with a book and a crypto spectrometer, whatever that is. Next, we have a concert promo poster from the band Nirvana from 1992. This poster names major cities the band will be playing in, but no tour dates. However, there's still a phone number on the poster, so we can call that and find out the details of the tour dates if it's still active. Can you imagine calling that now? Like, hey, I saw your poster for Nirvana. <laughs> entertain us. Yeah. <laughs> you just call it to entertain us. It's funny. Next is an exclusive Beanie Baby of Punxsutawney Phil for Groundhog Day. Phil was oh my not my gosh. first choice, but they were out of Ned Ryerson Beanie Babies on eBay. Bang! That's amazing. You know, guys, when we had company coming over to the house when we were growing up, our parents would break out the fancy drinking glasses for our guests. Well, now you can too. You can bust out this commemorative drinking glass from the movie Superman the Movie featuring Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. And finally, the last item in the prize vault of this episode is the rare vintage McTickle Me Feather Sponge found in Happy Meals that we mentioned earlier. If you can imagine what a sponge meant for tickling since 1979 looks like, then you have a good mental picture of the final item we have in the vault today. Wow. Keith, Keith why don't you reveal what item you picked? They were all very impressive. A couple were a little bit salacious, <laughs> tempting, you know, some are useful, you know, you reach in the cupboard. Superman the movie. I'm glad they got the legal title right, Zabe. Um, but what I ended up going for, being the wild card and everything, is there isn't there a wild card? Well, what item did you pick? And we'll talk about the mystery box in a second. Eric Estrada. <laughs> Magazine clippings. Cuttings Jeez. photos from let me let me read the description to you. Eric Estrada, magazine clippings, cuttings, photos from Japan and USA. Just look at that. Wow. Thing. Yeah. That's the article's written in Japanese, so you really don't know what it really has to say about that. User imagination. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I know I have. <laughs> so Keith mentioned in while while you were in the waiting room that uh, he thought you were gonna win. So he picked something that would kind of oh, be a uh, he wins either That's way. So either kind. he wins the game or he wins by giving you a, a nice Eric Estrada look. But That's Keith, amazing. You can so take generous. your Eric Estrada clipping or you can go for what's in the mystery box. Show you the box. What was in the box? After hearing Sam's story, right? The only thing I could do with that clipping is destroy it. You know, let's go for what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? <laughs> We're going for the box. The mystery box this episode is... I asked my wife what she thought we could put in the mystery box this episode as I was scrambling to get ready for recording today. And for some reason, she suggested a box of any Girl Scout cookies you can imagine for the winner. Our daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies with her troop and has a lofty goal of selling 2,000 boxes. And those boxes are currently in our kitchen as we speak. Maybe that's why (laughs) she thought to include them them in the mystery box. In any event, I will ship the Girl Scout cookie flavor of your choice, as well as the promise of sending you a Who Will Save Generation X t-shirt. Congratulations. So box of cookies and a t-shirt. That's what's in the mystery box. It's a spring miracle. That's (laughs) awesome. But we do have a Public store set up and ready to take orders for t-shirts, but there's currently very little in it. Hopefully, by the time this episode airs, we'll have it fully stocked and ready for those who might be interested in supporting the show and buying a cool shirt. Details on how to get to our Tee Public store are in the show notes for this episode. 
Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time in our little show. Thank you so much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going, offering better prices for the contestants, and all-around improvement for future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you're interested. For those who'd like to show some support to the show but don't want to use Patreon, we now offer Venmo for your convenience. You can find us at who will save Gen X on your Venmo account, if that is your preference. If you like what we're doing here and you want to do your part to save Generation X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. Either way, thanks so much for listening. Now we're going to go to our shout outs and plugs. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to say, Keith? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Zabe, for having me on your show. Honestly, been such an, an entertaining way for me to commute with my kids, and now I'm actually on it. So first, but first, I'd like to make a shout out to Henry Winkler. Hey! In case you're listening, you're a comedic legend. We treasure your entire body of work. Um, second, to my two boys who listen to your show, as I said, as I drive them around, while they do not fully understand our culture, I appreciate that they acknowledge it's important to me, to us, really, as a marginalized people. And finally, Zabe, I want to make a shout out to you for your most excellent reinvention as a creator. I heard you tell your story to Gen X podcasters, Trish the Dish, and, and, and you know, I want to say something to your listeners, too. If you've got an idea, if you want to create something or maybe a career change, this is your time. Do it. Take that first step, then take another. Keep grinding. So anyway, I see you. Think I see all of you. I uh, thinking about making a career change or or some sort of change. Today is the day. Make it today. I'm rooting hard for you. And uh, this is a call for all the listeners who've been inspired to take their own first step. Thank you. Oh, Keith, getting a little choked up. Seriously, thank you so much. That was very sweet, Sam. He's you the know, best. He beat you at the game, and now you got to follow that. I know. How can I follow that? Well, all you have I can to, do is it's your turn. <laughs> it's my turn. Is uh, echo his very genuine and true statements, Zabe, for for your continued artistry and imagination in creating this podcast. It's just so much fun to listen to. And thank you to Keith for inviting me to be his opponent, unworthy <laughs> opponent. But I had a great time. Thank you for that. Just give a shout out to my husband who will, you know, be really sad that I missed the YouTube question, but will listen nonetheless. And big shout out to my three besties from high school who I forgot to mention last time, including the bill to my Ted, Miss Jamie Witten, Robin and Michelle, my three best friends from high school who I still get to see on Zoom once a month. We've been doing a monthly Zoom call since the pandemic started. And I guess I would just add on to what Keith said. I totally agree. Change your career, do something new if you can do that. And also, I think what we've done today, you know, reconnect with someone from the past that you've been wondering how they're doing, you know, reach out. It's really easy to get reconnected these days and it's so rewarding. So thank you. Thank you both. Thank you both. Both of you have been really supportive of the show. Uh, Sam, even before the show even existed, you were a, a, a champion and, and cheerleader. You really encouraged me to go forward. And Keith, it's been a pleasure to get to know you as the podcast has gone on. 
And um, I'm really sad that we weren't friends in high school, man. Like you seem like such a cool guy. And like, we have so much in common that, uh, you know, it's kind of a opportunity wasted, but I'm glad that we connected now. And um, I, I, I consider you a friend, Keith. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you also, Sam. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that you can find all the details about the show and how to join our newsletter, our Venmo and Patreon in the show notes for this episode. Or if you feel like you're being a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the episode. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Tune in next time when the spy says this spells... The electric company gets its power from the Children's Television Workshop. Big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.